Welcome to another thing opposite podcast where we talk about things and we're gonna slay today, Queen. <laughs> <laughs> that was so horrible. Um, so Aaron is not here today, um, but I am joined by Matthew here. Hi. Um, so today is going to be our Pride episode because you know June Pride Month. So we love it. We love to see it. Yes. Uh. Because we are very open here at uh, Everything Opposite Podcast, where we love everybody. No one gets excluded. Because we're equal opportunists. <laughs> we love inclusion. Uh, so I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, well, first off, how, how have you been? It's I haven't talked to you in a while, but just how have you been holding on for the past like few months? Because I know you were uh, doing the uh, Disney thing at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, it's been um it's been really boring mostly. Um I know all of my fam back at um back working at Galaxy's Edge and, and uh Disney we're all like missing it. Um so we've mostly just been like really needy. Mm-hmm. Uh really <laughs> missing each other a lot and missing being working. Um but it's been I mean it's been nice cuz I've like been able to dedicate a lot more time to like writing and working on music because before that it was I, all I did was work all the time so I couldn't really do anything um cool outside of that yeah was that like a Disney internship kind of thing or was that like an actual full-time thing for full-time you? Time job I um I just like felt like pack it up and move in from Lafayette Louisiana over to Florida and working for Disney because like you know get a little bit of change yes let's work for the biggest monopoly on earth <laughs> <laughs> It's fun. It's a, I mean, it's fun. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be. Um, it's it's like different than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's been really cool, definitely. So we're like all missing it. So you said you're kind of wanting to write some more music lately. Um, how social circle is that like ever going to be a thing again, or are y'all just done? Um, right now it's kind of. Um, my band social circle is like on a little hiatus. Uh, we definitely never called it quits. Um, you know, I think there might be some stuff in the future for it especially with the stuff that i'm writing now i'm like in debates over whether or not i'm going to release it under like the social circle name or if Mm -hmm. it's going to get a new one Mm -hmm. um but i don't know it's all it's a big big question mark we're just going to leave it on mysterious Ooh, like a good little (laughs) mystery (laughs) right i mean it had the instagram i was looking at the instagram the other day and it hasn't been posted to in like a year over a year and i was like Ooh, this Instagram needs some love, but like we haven't, we don't have any content. It's like I'm here, and then our girl singer Jacqueline is in Austin, Texas now. Hmm. So we're like amongst three different states. Yikes! (laughs) Right. So uh, who knows? (laughs) Something might happen. Well, I mean, I know y'all were starting to get a little bit notoriety before y'all went on y'all hiatus. So, like, how how big did y'all get? Because I semi followed y'all, but not closely. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know. It's like hard to compare, hard to say it. Cause it's like, I feel like, like to me, we didn't get any, we didn't get big at all. I think for us, it's like, I think we got like in to enough of a cool place, like in between like Lafayette and like Baton Rouge, New Orleans, like we were playing some really cool gigs. I mean, we've, we've done like opening slots where we played to maybe like 2000 people, um, which is like mm-hmm. probably like the, the biggest that we ever played to. Um, and I think like, like, on the internet it's like the, the one of the coolest things we ever got was like a huffington post review of like one of our music videos um whenever we put out our last full-length record um like last summer it got some cool reviews and stuff but i wouldn't say the band like got big or anything it was just kind of like um we were just kind of doing it for louisiana i guess 
So it was like a local successful kind of thing. Pretty much. I would say we got like like really good Lafayette, Louisiana famous. Hmm. I don't I don't know if that's a high standard or a low standard, but uh, yeah, same. But hey, I mean, y'all y'all are doing some cool things. Um, so I guess we can jump into like the Pride Month stuff now. So do you mind talking a bit about your story of like coming out and just your journey with all that? Sure. Um, mine was weird. Uh, mine was definitely weird because like I, d- I definitely grew up like similarly to a lot of um, queer people where like, I, th- I think for me, like a lot of the evidence of me being gay was like there growing up, but I didn't know, especially like, whenever you start getting to like an age where you you know what gay people are and you, like, you know what that is. But like growing up in a conservative family, like, you know, like that, that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I always grew up being like a very obviously queer kid. Like I like when I was like five, like I loved the little mermaid and like had like a little mermaid doll, like was definitely a queer kid um i mean as much as i was like a nerdy kid too but um it wasn't it wasn't really until like late middle school that i kind of started like figuring it out and like i remember like eighth grade i wrote i think i wrote like a blog about it somewhere where like in eighth grade i had like my first crush on like a real human boy hmm. and um and i didn't even know how to like because it's like I, I didn't know how to like come out or anything like i didn't know if i was gay or bisexual i just knew i liked this dude um and i remember like a friend of mine like told the guy the guy was like really nice he was like i'm i don't i don't know like i'm not that i'm not gay or anything but like that's cool thanks i guess <laughs> um but i remember being like, at that point being like terrified because that was the first like tangible evidence of like being like a queer identifying person mm-hmm. um so then it was like when i finally got into high school i was like cool like i want to figure this out and like explore this and like and date people so like a few years throughout like high school i was I would like try dating people or like try like hanging out with like other queer dudes, like other gay dudes. Um, and like my mom would find out and she would get super mad. Um, cause growing up in a conservative family, like it's not cool. Um, so I remember like two different occasions, like freshman and sophomore year, like where I, I, like my mom would find out that I was like sneaking around, sneaking around, like hanging out with like a, a gay dude that she didn't know I was hanging out with. And she'd be mad and she'd be like, like, why are you hanging out with them? Like, are you gay? Like, no, you're not. And I, I remember I would, I would like try to be, I'd be like, yes, I am. And she'd be like, no, you're not. And it was like kind of like a thing where we would kind of like battle it out. And I, basically she would like convince me to go back in the closet more or less. And I, cause it was, it was just really tough. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to like endure this yet. Um, and then it was finally when I was a senior and cause then like after that, I like dated girls. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm supposed to date girls. And I had like, I had girlfriends and whatever. Um, and then finally, when I was like a senior in high school, I had like my first real actual boyfriend. And then my mom like caught me hanging out with him. And I was like, yes, I have a boyfriend. Like, yes, I'm gay. Like, cause I remember like I came home, I had like snuck out. And like the first thing she ever asked me was from that, whenever I got home from sneaking out, the first thing she asked me was, were you hanging out with a guy? And I remember my response was like, if you have to ask me that, then like you, like, you know, what's up. Like, we don't even need, we shouldn't have this conversation. Um, but we did. And, uh, it was, it was a tough one. Um, so for me, it was like whenever I finally decided to like go full force into like the coming out process, like my, it was like my, my mom was super uncool with it. And then I remember I went to my dad and my dad was like, whatever, I don't care. Like he was, he didn't, like it didn't bother him by any means. So that was pretty cool. I remember my dad was like, yeah, like I thought maybe you might be um, like years ago and I like read some stuff about it. And, you know, it's not your choice. That's what I mostly read. And I was like, cool, thanks dad. Like, thanks for being a bro. <laughs> um, my mom was pretty, um, pretty vehemently against it at first. Um, 
but I'm like an only kid. So I kind of had that to my advantage in that like, it was like, you either get to keep your only kid or like you can alienate me and then that sucks. And so eventually me and my mom came to terms with it and we were cool um, after that. So it wasn't like, I wouldn't, it wasn't like a necessarily traumatizing experience, but it was definitely like growing up in Louisiana, how to convince your, especially like your, your, your conservative family and like your mom, like conservative mom, like not to lose you over, um, over coming out. Because I know that there are a lot of people who like get alienated and like get kicked out and like, that's just it. Um, I was super fortunate to be able to like come to terms with my family about it um, and finally like get to a point where like if I was dating somebody like I could bring them around my family and maybe like they'd be cool with it you know what I mean yeah I mean that's a I feel a pretty common story with a lot of people is maybe like one parent was somewhat supportive and the other was just like flat out like just ignorant to like not very open to your child being gay which is kind of stupid because like a he likes the same gender so what right it was i think it was weird for me because i feel like for guys I, I think it's a common story that people come out to their mom like like men will come out to their mom and their mom's cool and like but their dad will be like really intense about it mm-hmm. um whereas like for me it was the opposite my mom freaked out and my dad was like okay but it was like with my dad growing up i was i think it was always pretty obvious to my dad because my dad was like growing up like was constantly trying to like um bond with me over like like normal south louisiana boy stuff like hunting and fishing and and whatever like like man stuff he was into and i was just never into it um so i think he had like even even before he knew i was actually gay i think he had dealt with the fact that i was obviously like a different kind of man than he was um i didn't experience the same kind of manhood that he did anyway so I feel like me coming out as gay wasn't like a superb surprise to him. So like, like I said, even though he didn't know I was gay, I think he had already emotionally dealt with like that difference growing up. Whereas like my mom, my mom and I are so tight. I think my mom like had like a vision of who I would become and like me being gay definitely didn't uh, like coalesce in it. So she was definitely like not super cool with it. Yeah. I mean, I feel not being interested in like fishing and hunting and stuff doesn't necessarily make you like, Oh, no, I mean, not not, not to say that that stuff makes you gay, but you know what I mean? Like that just, um, I guess like that was like the beginning process of my dad accepting that I was just just different. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, I guess that was me saying like he was definitely understanding that I was like a different kind of boy than he wanted me to be. Yeah. So it was like part of the process for him, I guess. Yeah. um, I mean, on Bill Nye, on this like reboot, he mentioned, he talked about like the, uh, like, sexuality and all that stuff and he said everything is a spectrum which i think is the best way to explain all this stuff because some people can be straight but have like feminine qualities if they're guy and vice versa for girls or just your full-on balls to the walls just gay who's just like kinsey six gay yeah <laughs> i i because i mean as far as my identity goes i always have a weird time with it because i it's like I'll get around like if you put me in the middle of like like an LSU football game I will feel so out of place like obviously like that mm-hmm. is so not my zone I'm not that I don't have that kind of boy in me whatever but then at the same time like if you I don't know if you drop me in the middle of like this huge super flashy like gay club I will also feel the same kind of like not my zone yeah. um so it's like even though like my sexuality is very like gay identifying as far as like the stereotypes on either end like i don't fit in especially because like once i started really like um 
like molding my personality into like being a musician and and being into like indie rock and like indie music uh, my uh, my identity really kind of molded around that so it's like i i have a hard time just fitting in with like normal stereotypes of guys either way yeah because i'm such a like i don't know my my identity is in my musicianship rather than my sexuality hmm. i mean i i like to throw down some like some gay sass every now and then you know what i mean but um yeah it's it's always been like a real unique experience for me <laughs> yeah that's definitely sounds like a unique way of seeing things like seeing things as a music perspective rather than a straight up just identification kind of way right it's like back in back in lafayette louisiana i felt like i felt like like especially with my band because my band was very like electronic and very poppy and very dancey it's like sometimes i felt like my band was too gay for the music scene but at the same time like my band wasn't gay enough for the gay scene you know what i mean because it's like it wasn't superbly like gay club dance pop but it also was still very electronic and dancey because it took so much like 80s influence it was very like it's like too too gay for the music scene but not gay enough for the gay scene so is the follow boy complex (laughs) uh sure (laughs) definitely Well, the reason I say that is because, like, early on in their career, they were, like, too poppy to be in the hardcore scene, but, like, too hardcore to be, like, straight pop, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's kind of why. I could create my own cool genre like that. <laughs> yeah, because nothing like having, like, a pop-punk kind of music, but you still have those, like, hardcore breakdowns occasionally. With right, Pete, exactly. With, with Pete Wentz just screaming in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Boy can have a night out with my girlfriend. <laughs> Oh, jokes. <laughs> Early reference. <laughs> Have you ever seen the, uh, there's like a drunk history of Fall Out Boy that, uh, Brennan Urie did? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's so good. Because, especially because the Fall Out Boy got to come back and, like, actually do it. Like, the way mm-hmm. the drunk history formats it. I like that Fall Out Boy, like, got to reenact all of his dialogue. Yeah, and I love how, like, they did, like, on tour, because you could tell, because, like, Patrick was constantly wearing the uh, 21 Pilots shirt and stuff like that. Right. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. I didn't, I never realized the 21 Pilots and Fall Boy had toured. Yeah, uh, I think that was, God. I mean, I, that was, like, forever ago, I feel like. Yeah, that was probably, that was forever ago. That was probably when it was, I think the tour was Fall Boy, 21 Pilots, and Panic at Disco, which I think would be a pretty solid tour. <laughs> oh, right. Definitely. Um. No, that's such a funny video because everything that Brendan Urie does, I think, is genius. So especially like I, I would love to get wasted with him. <laughs> like, that. <laughs> like that video is like, why can't I be drunk next to Brendan Urie? I mean, I think Brendan Urie is just one of those guys you just want to be around whether he's drunk or not. Exactly. Like what an amicable human. <laughs> yeah, I, I must say, though, I really hate trying to sing along in the car sometimes because sometimes he goes a little too high. Yeah, like let me I can't quite reach that like. Like his his version of like Frozen Two's Into the Unknown oh is, my like, God. is ungodly and de- it doesn't deserve to exist. Dude, I try so hard with that song, but I can't do oh. it. Yeah, I, I can't. It's not not in my wheelhouse whatsoever. Because like I can kind of fake it for a lot of his other songs, but Into the Unknown was just too much. Uh, yeah, I feel like my my like Panic the Disco range is like a solid Death of a Bachelor, and that's where it ends. I mean. Yeah, honestly, that song has, like, a nice range, because he has, a, like, croonish in, like, the verse, but, like, has that, like, I wouldn't say operatic, but just very, like, high parts in the chorus. Right. Kind of like an in-your-face kind of punchy kind of thing. Absolutely. It's, I think that song is just gold, because I, I love that, like, 
really old school kind of big band feel that it has. It's very like film noir feeling, especially in that music video. Um, but definitely like with his own Brendan Neary flair <laughs> that we love. He's also just a great dude, you know, like I, th- I feel like I don't really, I'm not a big fan of, of Panic! The Disco's newer stuff. Like I, I like just got back um, from like a record store and, and I was like looking at like old Panic! The Disco albums that they had a vinyl and I was like, man, I just really miss old Panic! The Disco. But like Brendan Neary is just like a great, a super great dude. Yeah. Did, did I ever tell you about the story of the one time I got to like meet Brendan Neary? No. Okay, so it was twenty. I think it was summer of twenty sixteen. They were touring with um, Weezer, and they were in New Orleans. And I right. had got the uh, meet and greet pass, which, of course, since it's such a big artist, it's not like you're just gonna like be able to sit down and chat. Which I'm gonna tell you about my Drake Bell story with that too. Oh my god! <laughs> but uh, so yeah, me and my friend did the uh, meet and greet thing, and it was cool because he was just like so chill and. He was, like, very appreciative of the fact that I was wearing a Panic Disco shirt, but I was wearing a Weezer hat, kind of, like, repping both of the headliners. Yeah, you're like, I'm here for both of you. And he was, like, just loved it. And also, it was really weird, though, because he was wearing, like, a leather jacket with, like, just a regular undershirt. My hand accidentally got caught, so it was, like, a little awkward during the picture where my hand was just, like, awkwardly, like, too close to his skin. Uh Oops, that would be me. Um, oops. No, I, I, that would not be. That's um, not okay to do on purpose. But <laughs> what, I, what a good spot to be in, I think. <laughs> yeah, they were specifically like, yeah, y'all are all gross and sweaty, so please do not try to hug him or do anything like that. So that was probably the closest I would have gotten anyway. So Y'all are all gross and sweaty. Love that. Like, they were just straight up like, it's 90-something degrees in New Orleans, yeah, hum- humidity is off the charts. We're all like drying sweat from waiting for the past like two hours to get in line for this. So, <laughs> but was that was- super down? What was that? What was the venue? Um, it was at the uh, Champion Square. Okay, wow, I love Champion Square as a venue. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect when I went, but it was really cool. Yeah, I think the last time I went there, I'd seen Paramore on their After Laughter tour. Um awesome the super great show i considered going to that show but ended up not <laughs> you missed out because it was like i remember it was like it was like it was paramore um and like jason and um and foster the people opened up and every like er, all the acts were super great i'm a big fan of jason and i'm a big fan of foster the people but like hey Haley williams is just incredible um i also just bought her new solo album on vinyl because i'm obsessed with it nice Oh, but I do want to tell you about the uh, the Drake different experience. Yeah, so I met Drake Bell a little over a year ago. Uh, he did a show in Baton Rouge. And was it the varsity? Yes, it was. Yeah, I, I remember that. I wanted to go to that. I I remember like joking about potentially going to that. Yeah, it kind of sucked because no one I knew actually went. So I was just like surrounded by strangers, and I was just like awkwardly just like, oh yeah, did you like go by yourself. Yeah, I went by myself. I'm. I've kind no, of. I love going to the varsity. I've gone to the varsity for a couple shows by myself. Like I went to see Heim there by myself because nobody wanted to go with me, and then I was like, like I, I'm like I'm like I will go to a concert by myself all the time. Yeah, I used to always buy like two tickets anytime I wanted to go to a show so I can bring a friend. Whether right. they pay me back or not wasn't a huge deal. Just I wanted someone to go with. I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, screw it. I'm just gonna go by myself. <laughs> yeah, I like when I first moved here to Florida. There's this um, there's this UK artist that I love a lot named the Japanese House, and I went to see them by myself too. I was like. 
nobody nobody i don't really know anybody and nobody that i do know knows who this is so screw it like made my way to downtown orlando and was like kicking it by myself and i'll like I, that's like a fun experience to me because it's like you don't have to worry about it especially if it's like somebody that nobody knows you're just like i'm here to vibe yeah but it was really cool because i did the uh there was like a special meet and greet and yeah. it was, it's not like a meet and greet where it's just like you go you take your picture shake hands and move along it was like the sound check thing it, like where you go it wasn't even a sound check it wasn't even a sound check. We literally went to his green room. There was like maybe 15, 20 of us. And, oh my God. Uh, and we just like all chilled. He like signed a picture and all that stuff for us to like have. Green room at the varsity that's backstage? Yeah. Like we just chilled. He like played Beatles covers for most of it. <laughs> I'll listen to Drake Bell play Beatles covers in, in the varsity green room. That's so funny. Because I've, I've, I've been in that green room numerous times because we played the varsity a bunch. So I'm like, that's really funny. Yeah, and we just got to take a picture, got the autograph, and it was just a really cool experience just to chill with, like, 20 people just chatting. And, of course, we talked about, like, movies and shows he was in. Of course, you had to bring up Drake and Josh, because that's, like, oh my God. probably his biggest thing ever. I feel like if I was Drake Bell, I would not ever want to hear about Drake and Josh, ever. Dude, he, <laughs> from what I hear, they're trying to get, like, a loose reboot kind of going with a, him and Josh. A little loose boot. But yeah, it was really cool. It was a different experience than most of the uh, meet and greets I've done. Right. Because usually it's just you get an autograph, maybe you take a picture, and that's it. You're just done in like twenty, thirty seconds. Well, because nowadays I feel like I see there's like a trend where a lot of a lot of like smaller artists that can afford it will do something like that, where like you can go, you'll go like early before the show or whatever, and like whether it's like something on soundtrack or, or like on stage on soundtrack or like in a separate space, like they'll like hang out and like play music and you mm-hmm. can like Q and a a little bit. Like when I, I, I saw my favorite musician lights in Dallas one time and she did that. It was like, we got to go and she played like a, a few acoustic songs and we could like ask her questions and like, we got to like hang out and actually like talk to her for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a cool experience that like smaller artists get to afford the time to do. Yeah. And I think the closest, I think, yeah, I think the closest to, like, a middle ground with all that was my Blink-182 experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, last summer, I saw them in Houston, and I did the uh, I did the whole meet and greet thing as well, but it came with a sound check. So we actually got to watch them sound check and stuff, but, of course, Travis and Matt were divas and were taking a while, so Mark was just on stage just chatting with us, playing Pokemon Go, and just having a fun time, and... Just, nice. He just chatted with us, and eventually the Travis and Matt came on stage, and they played a couple songs, and they're like, can we see you guys the show? And then we all went to the, it was like a VIP room kind of thing, and we got like food and stuff before everything got going. I love, like, they're being divas. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, when you're Travis Barker, you, you, you're never late. You arrive precisely when you mean to. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, that's so funny that you bring up like my 82. Um, because I have the guitar that I record with is um it's like an old like Tom DeLong strat. <laughs> uh, it's like literally it says like Tom DeLong on the back. It's like a Tom DeLong series strat, but it's like not it's not a nice guitar by any means. It's like I had a friend who hit me up one time, I was like, Hey, I have an electric guitar that I don't do anything with. Do you want it? And I was like, Yeah, sure. And now I record everything with it. Oh my god. With, he like brought it to me with no strings and I like strung it up, cleaned it off. I was like, cool. Like this is my, cause I'm not an electric guitarist by any means, but I do like to record electric guitar sometimes. And that's yeah. what I've been weirdly recording the most. So I'm like Tom DeLonge strat. Heck yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that only come with like the volume knob? That's it. 
Yeah, yeah, it literally, I'll like pull it off. It's just, we just have a volume knob right here and that's it. Nice. <laughs> so it just gets real cranky, really easy. I'm like low-key jealous because Blink-182 has been like one of my favorite bands ever. Like once I discovered them in high school, I just got obsessed. That's fair. And yeah, and this one literally like fell into my lap. Because <laughs> it. it's funny when I got it, I mean, it, it, it makes it even worse. Because like when I got it, I had no idea. I was just like, cool, like teal guitar, whatever. And then my friends were like, oh my God, there's a Tom DeLonge guitar. Look, and like literally on the back up on here, it says Tom DeLonge kind of impressioned in it. And I was like, oh, neat. And I love the fact that I've never really been a huge Blink-182 fan. Yeah, I love that sea green. That's... That's a yeah, that's like my color. favorite favorite color. I feel like, which is like it like really matches. There's like a lot of stuff in my room that that's color that that's that yeah. color matches. Yeah, like I said, just everything balanced color. Everything it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well I think we would talk about music for quite a while. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like, it's funny because you're like pride stuff, and I'm like, yes, pride, but also like I'm, I'm it's way easier for me to talk about music stuff. I feel like. I mean, it's fine. Me and Aaron literally dedicated an episode to uh, just talking about music, and it was pretty great. I, got I dedicate to... my life to talking about music. <laughs> like, I'm obviously, like, very nerdy, so not only do I talk about music, but I also talk about, like, Star Wars, Marvel, and all sorts of stuff like that. Oh, don't even get me started about Star Wars, because that's, I mean, that's where I work. I, um, I know. I'm, a, I'm such a Star Wars nerd, um, so I, I, that's one of the things I miss about working at Disney, is, like, I miss talking about star wars every day i mean uh, you, you were living star wars <laughs> yeah we're like it, i'm living in the canon <laughs> oh my God. Uh, i'm not gonna lie i was very jealous when i kept seeing your pictures i was like <sighs> <laughs> gotta come visit you gotta visit the star wars land and check it out um here's a music thing um so i was noticing this thing i don't know if you've i don't know how um privy you are to the fact that like gays love repping their like queer they're like queer icons or whatever they're like they're pop divas like mm -hmm. gays love like um like taylor swift and ariana grande and mm -hmm. i was like griping about this thing this morning to my friend where i was like man these people aren't queer like people like are like taylor swift is my gay queen or like ariana grande is like my like gay icon and i'm like these people like aren't gay so why are they your gay icons yeah. so i've like been doing this thing all month where i'm like only listening to like actual queer musicians so i'm like Good Pride Month tip: Listen to queer musicians and support queer musicians. Well, what are some of your favorites? Um, so my favorites, so my, my like absolute absolute favorite is this band named Paris. Um, they're like kind of, they kind of came out of the Warped Tour scene, so Ooh. they're like a little bit on the punkier side. But all their stuff recently has been kind of like punk edge. Like it's like pop music with like good hooks, but like a lot of punk edge. Um, their lead singer is. Um, She's a, a queer female named uh, Lynn Gunn, uh, but she's a lesbian. Lynn Gunn is super attractive, super talented, and just insane. And I love it because it's like everybody's like, my gay icon is like Lady Gaga. And it's like all these like pop dance beats that are like super gay club friendly. And I'm like, my gay icon is Lynn Gunn from Paris. And she's like a punk bitch who hangs out in like graveyards and drinks too much mezcal. And I'm like, yep, that's my girl. Like, that's my icon. Uh, okay, the reason I'm laughing is because I wish Aaron was here because Paris actually opened up for Fall Out Boy when me and Aaron went go see them back in, I think, 2016. Nice. And Aaron was legit. We were in the pit, so we were, like, really close. And he was, like, trying to, like, flirt with the lead singer. Oh, yeah, Lynn's totally a lesbian. Well, 
<laughs> You'd so be disappointed. That would get you nowhere. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, I are like um, I've been listening a lot to this artist named Christine the Queens. She's like she's real kind of like old school disco pop kind of stuff, very mm-hmm. European, but like another super queer identifying female. Um, like a lot of like Frank Ocean. Are you, are you like you give give a listen to Old Town Road by Lil Nas X because he's super gay? And I'm like, yes, like I'll take that. I'm not gonna lie, I was not a huge fan of that song. Um, me neither. Uh, but I'll I still I still love the idea of like getting to claim him. You know what I mean? I'm like uh, hell yeah! Like I'll I'll take that as part of like the the queer collective. Yeah, it was just one of those things where like it was literally a a mashup of two genres I don't actually listen to that much. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I love stuff like that. Um, Cause I mean, that's what I, I've been doing a lot of trying to like explore genres and stuff like that. So it's like, I thought I don't, I mean, I didn't like Billy Ray Cyrus singing on it by any means, but I, I liked that that guy was so unabashedly like, I want to make country hip hop. Like I thought that was a really genuine like thing to try to do. Um, which are both like two genres that I don't know super well, but for some reason I just thought it was like a really genius like way to do it. And it, the way that it like took over the the gosh darn world so quick was awesome. Yeah, I thought. So like I like it's like I don't I don't necessarily love that song, but like I have so much mad respect for it. And like I said, I'm like yes, like that dude, like I definitely accept that dude as like one of our gay icons because he, he like came out and he was, but like I think he people were like did you guys not know that Lil Nas X was gay? And he's like, did y'all not know? Cause I thought it was obvious. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I wasn't really into the song, so I didn't really like watch the music video or anything. I'm sure I would have like caught on pretty quickly if I actually watched the video, but I just never got into it. Yeah. He like drops little hints like in his album and stuff too. Apparently I haven't delved into it, but um, I love, I love that. But yeah. Um, Christine, let's see, like list of great queer musicians, Christine, the Queens, Lil Nas X, Frank Ocean, Paris. Um, I've also been listening to this UK artist named the Japanese house. Who's like very ambient. She kind of feels sort of like image and heap, but like a little bit more poppy version of image and heap, like really ambient and like beautiful kind of stuff and really, really artsy, but like also um, queer identifying female. Love it. Super good. Or like Troy Sivan. He's, I think Troy Sivan is a super talented dude. Okay, and that's a nice little list for everyone to listen to. So, right. uh, so why don't we get like into a little heavier stuff here? Uh, so I do notice like on your Facebook and stuff that you are very vocal in regards to like any sort of political stuff regarding the uh, LGBTQ community. So, right. What What are your thoughts on like some of the stuff that's been going on lately? Oh man, I have so many thoughts. Um. I think one of my, my like one of my favorite things um, that I, I I don't I don't know why I I love combating like um, anytime pride comes around I love combating uh, like homophobia and racism like in the actual queer community because um, I think a lot of a lot of queer people still have like a lot of internalized homophobia like guys who don't like drag queens or guys who don't like overly effeminate dudes like I'm like screw that like that's that's so lame um and especially racism is still weirdly enough a lot of people don't understand that like the pride movement itself was started by like a black trans woman 
Like it was absolutely started by a black trans woman who who started the actual Stonewall riots. And it's like because of that, that's why we get to have what we call a pride movement to this day. Um, so it's funny seeing how people are rioting and, and protesting over the Black Lives Matter movement um, because people want to get on Facebook and say, like, don't riot. Like, um, rioting's bad. Protesting's bad. Like, don't be violent. Like, you can do this without being violent. Like, I think, like, I posted something one day on Facebook, um, which is, of course, like, that's that's the digital protest medium these days is posting on Facebook, um, which is unfortunate. But, like, I've, I had said something about, like, like change doesn't come about peacefully. Um, if you look back through history, that's never the case. And especially for um, for queer people, that's not the case. And some girl was like, yes, it does. Like, these people need to be, like, not violent. Like, violence is bad. Like, didn't like didn't like lgbtq people like get all their stuff peacefully and i was like no like literally a black trans woman threw the first brick and started like add police um and started the snowball riots against police brutality against queer people um and so like i i owe everything about the pride movement to like a trans person of color um and so like i think it, i think people speaking out against protesting or against even rioting um have no idea and like, like they don't get it. So I get, I get really up in arms uh, or like, like oof, I get so mad about like all lives matter. I get super upset when people post that stuff like that. Like, cause it's like, yes, all lives matter, of course. But like black lives don't matter yet. So it's like, you can't say that all lives matter if you don't understand like black lives don't yet because we're, we still have mass incarceration and, and black people are still dying in the street unjustly because we have a messed up like police system and uh i get i get super heated <laughs> yeah i understand because like my dad was a police officer and so was aaron and so i do have that kind of like sense of like yeah cops can be good people but at the same time i do recognize that there's a lot of not that great cops which it's disheartening because i do know that part of the process to become a police officer is not only do you have to take a physical, but you also have to take a mental test. Yeah. Which is crazy how they're taking mental tests, but somehow still becoming cops. Some, like, with the dude with George Floyd, he apparently had, like, several in interactions where he was kind of, like, aggressive and violent. And people were, like, saying, hey, he's being very violent towards these people when he's on duty. Nothing ever happened. Right. Um it's tough especially like when it comes to cops i um i i try to shift my narrative a little bit instead of just saying like all cops are bad um because i, I you know I, I i do understand like what the other the other side of that argument is trying to say is that like yes like not all cops are bad like this doesn't mean that every person who becomes a cop is a terrible person um i, I kind of try to shift my narrative into saying that like um it's not necessarily that all cops are bad but i think overall like the the police system is a really unjust and um uh it's just i don't think it's a, a super effective system and it's, it's not a super successful system and it and it sucks to see that like a system that is supposedly in place to like protect people is is so aggressive and can become so militarized so quick um and then in in, in regards to like the george floyd thing um i i i I was thinking about something the other day where it was just like, um, like no matter how, I don't know. It's like, 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 cause people will post stuff like, 
like cops won't cops will leave you alone if you're innocent and i'm like i don't i don't like i don't know if people don't realize that like just because somebody is like not necessarily doing right or like it's not necessarily innocent which that 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 doesn't even matter since Breonna Tyler was literally killed in her sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that argument goes out the window, but uh, even still, like, even if you're not innocent, like cops don't have the right to just kill you. Like they don't have the right to just take your life right then and there. Like cops are meant to be de-escalators. Like, yeah. and I think people don't understand that. And people want to say like, no, well, they felt threatened. Like, no, they didn't. Like you literally see, especially in the, the George Floyd, like footage, which is, um, super tough to watch but like like there's no there's no reason any of that shouldn't have should have happened like if you if you if you watch exactly what went down like there's no way like i don't it's like even if he was being somewhat like aggressive and being withheld like no we don't just like kneel on his neck for eight minutes yeah there was a million different things they could have done like they could have easily the simplest thing could have done just put him in the back of the cop car he's not gonna go anywhere exactly um, so the whole, I think the whole thing is, is really intense. Um, and I think it's, it's a really powerful movement. That's like, that's really, really going on. And it, and it's funny cause I think a lot of people are, are, are looking at it like it's like this brand new movement. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that it, it has the momentum that it does, but it's like, this is not new. Like, this is not a new thing by any means. Like this has been an ongoing thing that is centuries in the making. Yeah. Um, but I think that what happened with George Floyd and especially Breonna Tyler, like really, really ramped it up. Um, but I mean, the, the list of names is endless. Um, and it's unfortunate, um, that the system is really intense, especially because when it comes to like the riots and, and the protests, there have been so many cases of, of really peaceful protests that are being lured into becoming riots by like the police, like the, the police is get, being militarized and in a way that they're able to like trick pe- peaceful protests into being able to like resort to violence on them. Um, even in New Orleans, it's like they, they would lead them. They would lead like peaceful protests and peaceful, peaceful marches into, into like, like onto the bridge and just start unloading on them. And it's insane. Like just start unloading tear gas, rubber bullets on them and, and firing on people. And it's like, there's no reason like the, the, and people are like, these are violent protests. Like the police shot for a reason. No, they didn't. Like they literally lured these people into a place where they could trap them where they had nowhere to go. Cause they're stuck on a bridge and we're just going to needlessly fire on them. Like that's crazy. Yeah. It's sad that for the uh, black community, it's for American history, for American history in general, it just feels like every time I guess America feels like they gave them like a mile they only give them like an inch, whether that's oh, yeah, segreg- entirely. So it's like segregation and just when they free the slaves back after civil war, like those we just were- slavery into incarceration and turned the entire prison system into a for-profit prison system where we just get to legally have slavery occur in our prisons. It's why the United States leads the world in the incarceration rate. Yeah. And I think isn't Louisiana like one of the worst specifically. Um, I don't know Louisiana's, number, Louisiana's numbers, but I feel like probably. Yeah, I think Louisiana's a very high uh, per capita uh, incarceration rate. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why, um, like marijuana, for instance, has taken so long to be just completely legalized because that's easily one of the quickest reasons to incarcerate people. Um, and especially like there's so many black people that are incarcerated over the smallest amounts of weed. Um, and it's stupid because it's just a reason to 
expand the prison system and to expand the amount of people that are in it. I mean, when it's not a violent thing at all. Yeah, and the origins of it being illegal and all that was, in fact, from racism because it was supposed to kind of like be a thing where like, oh, minorities like smoke weed, so now we're gonna make it like legal, and then it's like it became like a snowball effect where like it was the minorities who kept having issues with it. Exactly. So, yeah, so people have been racist for years and no one's changing. Yeah, and it's like, especially within the pride movement, mm-hmm. um, it's super unfortunate to see queer identifying people who still don't get it. Um, like my favorite is seeing queer people that are like on on social media saying like all lives matter, blah, blah, blah. And like literally like you get to identify publicly as a queer person because of the pride movement, because a black trans person with who we owe everything to um so whenever queer people don't get it i think it's really really disheartening or like whenever people queer people don't want to support black lives matter when i'm like you don't get to celebrate pride if you don't celebrate black lives matter because they're the same thing pride was started by a a, a black person so the pride and black lives matter are the exact same thing yeah it's just everyone is just skeletons with some meat just everyone's a little different color everyone has their own little flares but we're all just a person why why we have to seize all these just negative connotations with race and sex and all this other stuff right because uh, it's i mean it's just a it's such a system that's been developed like i said for centuries and i mean even even as as open-minded as like i want to be like you you still have to like sit and recognize like you grew up with pre- like i grew up with prejudices for sure because the way that i was raised growing up in in like the south and I had to do, a, and I, I feel like I have to do work every day, but like I had to do a lot of work growing up, having to um, really untie those synapses and, and really relearn the way that I thought about people and the way that I thought about race, because I was taught so much from an early age that was inherently incorrect. Like don't have black friends and, and, and don't communicate with black people or like, don't listen to black music or like, don't like say things that black people do because growing up in the south with like white families like you just that's just part of growing up and it's like this is not okay and you have to relearn all of that stuff and really and really understand like that's not cool and kind of own up to the fact that like you learned all that at an early age and it's time to let all of that go yeah um i think for me personally growing up my my parents were very they're conservative catholics so that's kind of like what you expect from someone in the south but uh I do feel like they were, for the most part, pretty open with most things. I I feel because of religion, they were kind of, like, iffy about, like, gay people and stuff. But as far as, like, race goes, they were very open. Just, like, hey, they're people, too. Just love everyone kind of attitude. So Which, I mean, that's, that's super fortunate. Because there were definitely some prejudices built into my family um, that I had to unlearn um, as I got older. Because I started, you know, you start realizing, like, this is definitely not cool yeah like it's crazy that like all these like catholics and christians are just like so like racist and bigoted but literally in the bible the biggest rule is hey love your neighbor as thyself like yeah which is like seemingly impossible for some people it's like oh you're a different color oh you like the same gender that's weird so right i just don't i don't get people (laughs) And it's like, I mean, everybody has all of the, uh, like all of their own cultures that everybody identifies with, but it's like, especially growing up um, in white conservative South, you, it's like you, 
you kind of not only learn like whatever racial biases that you have against skin color, but like you, it's like you also get taught to like avoid like black culture. Um, and it, or like you, you, you learn like, like, like it's, like it's bad. Like we don't listen to rap music. Like we don't dress like this. And it's, um, frustrating. I think it's a, it's really frustrating to have to teach yourself to unlearn that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's crazy because so many things have come from the black community. Like most of jazz came from the black community. Right. I mean, there. I what it, I've seen somebody the other day, like, because New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the entire world still to this day. And, and like people who love New Orleans have to realize like they're ever literally everything that they love about New Orleans uh, comes from black people. Yeah, whether it's the food, the music, anything else, it's came from them. Right. Food, music, culture, architect, like, nope. Yeah. Well, I think that's enough of the depressing part of this. I mean, it's pertinent. It's definitely pertinent. Yeah, uh, it was... It was to talk about. Yeah, it was definitely something I wanted to make sure that we touched on, because the world is a very, very crazy place right now. Uh yeah, I'm like, everybody get out your 2020 apocalypse bingo cards. Um, <laughs> we'll see what's up next because we've gotten to cross off aliens, um, race riots. We've gotten to cross off pandemic. We've gotten to cross off murder hornets. Okay, murder hornets was like one little batch in, I think, Washington State. And I think they already took okay, care of it. It was so. enough to blow up on the internet. So Yeah, but when you're stuck inside, anything can blow up. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I mean, that's that's why 2020 feels so severe is because everything that we see now is getting it gets so scrutinized and so blown up so quick because we have nothing else to do. Yeah, 2020 has been wild. I mean, for me, it hasn't really changed that much. I'm still working full time. Still, it still feels like a regular year for me, but I'm just seeing all this stuff happen around me and I'm just like, okay, so we got a pandemic that's great. Like I miss live music and I, I miss working and I miss being like in our parks. I miss just going out. I mean, now, now we've at least we've started opening up a little bit to where we can at least like safely interact mm-hmm. um, with each other. So we don't have to be held up, like having like FaceTime calls all the time. I can actually like hang out with my friends. So we'll like go, we'll go to the beach for a little bit, like in our own safe ways. Like I got to go to the record store earlier, but like I had my little face mask and Germax and was making sure I was doing everything properly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the most part, the only time I really go out is like for food or a trip to like Target or something because Target's like right around the block from me. So we love a trip to Target. Yeah. Everything's so great. It's like need food. They got it. You need some decor. They got it. You need <laughs> clearance yeah, outfits. I feel like I could redecorate my whole room it's i feel like i mean there's already so much stuff in my room that comes from target so yeah target target is definitely my go-to if i need something like right then and there right i mean honestly there's amazon if i need like something specific but targets but i'm my so not an internet shopper i'm really bad at that I, I have friends who like will order like two months supply of like deodorant on amazon and i'm like I, I mean, that's, but like, if you think about it, that's brilliant. That's totally like, they'll get like great deals and like they have it shipped with Amazon prime in two days. Like, that's awesome. But like, I just, I don't know why I hate doing that. But at the same time, like if I run out of deodorant tomorrow, now I have to go to target. I don't have like a two month supply from Amazon. <laughs> I mean, like for me, Amazon's more of like, you're getting something specific. Like the other day I ordered like a new water bottle. Cause Mine's getting kind of dirty and nasty, so I was like, let me just get a brand new one. So, got a new water yeah. bottle. It's going to be here tomorrow, I think, but... 
it's just it's convenient for things like that but just I always wind up buying like stupid stuff on amazon i remember i think like the last thing i bought from amazon was like a vinyl record and like a, a like a some t-shirt from something i don't know i was like i never buy like useful stuff i always just buy like like it it's like i think it, i always buy stuff that i can't get directly in front of me because I, I don't know i'm still like a tangible shopper i i like mm-hmm. like I, I like going to the record store to buy records i like clothes shopping like in a clothing store like i like the the hands-on experience of doing stuff so i can't like buy like random like i only buy like whatever i i know i can't go and get yeah i think the only thing that i'm not that I'm slowly transitioning to, like, being okay with digital is, like, video games. Especially now that I got a computer. Right. That's, like, a hardcore computer. Like, I spent way too much money. Like a gaming computer? <laughs> yes. Like, it it plays GTA at, like, 150 to 180 frames per second on high settings. Yeah, I'm still playing Overwatch on my PlayStation 4, so I don't know that life. I mean, I have a PlayStation 4 Pro, so don't feel You don't feel bad. There's a Pro? Uh, yeah, it's the one that's 4K. Oh, nice. I'm excited about that new PlayStation 5 that looks like a Wi-Fi router. <laughs> I love how everyone's making that joke. It's like, everyone's like, oh, it's so funny, but now it's gotten to the point where so many people have said it's like lost its charm. I don't joke. know. I still think it's funny. It either looks like a Wi-Fi router or it looks like Kaiba from Battle City version of <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. When I saw those, I was like, oh my, like my brother called me today and we started making jokes about it. I was like, yeah, the PS4 looks like Kaiba, like looks like Seto Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh! And he was like, Xbox is a fourth rate. What is it? He's just like, Xbox is a third rate game system with a fourth rate fan base. I'm like, yep, thank you. Yeah, the Kaiba, that <laughs> it was like Photoshopped so perfectly. I was like, damn. Right. Um, that's because I'm like, it's still like a, I like, I don't play Yu-Gi-Oh! But like, I, I don't know why it still holds like a little place in my heart. It's so, like, well, I feel like once a year, I'm like, I'm going to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! on Netflix. So like, <laughs> I've been going through that. So like, it timed perfectly, or I'm like, yes. Yeah, I think a year or two ago, I watched Yu-Gi-Oh! on Netflix, just like the first season. And it's bad. Like, I mean, it's it's not good. It's like not it's not a good watch. But like, I, it's like a nostalgia thing. Yeah, it's the same reason I occasionally watch like Power Rangers and stuff from like the two thousands, like SPD and Dino Thunder and that right. like era. Like I, I I I feel like my my entire like watch habit is always like a year, like a version of like a yearly like. Now I'm okay. I've watched all of Yu-Gi-Oh again. Now I'm gonna watch like all of Sailor Moon again. Okay. Now I've watched all of Sailor Moon again. Now I'm gonna watch all of Cowboy Bebop again. It's like all like shit that I grew up with. Yeah, I'm doing my best to just like watch new stuff at least. Yeah. So like lately, I've mostly it's just been new seasons stuff like Queer Eye, uh, Fuller House, um, the uh, what do you call it? The space, space, space force. The one with Steve Carell. Oh, I keep getting articles that Space Force like isn't good, so I don't watch it. I keep like seeing like I feel like Snapchat has told me that Space Force is not good, so I'm like, I believe you. Okay, so here's my opinion on Space Force. I so, love queer. What a great show. <laughs> For Space Force, it's it's not like a great show, but it's not like horribly. There's kinda like just the and eh show. But I will say the last episode or two, that's where it kinda like gets spicy. And it kind of, like, leaves the door open for season two, which, considering the reaction so far, it's... Right. It's going to be like, is it actually going to get season two or no? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I watched that, saw the final season of Fuller House. 
Nice. They, they, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I'm, I, I mean, I grew up with Full House, but I haven't watched Fuller House. I'm weird about reboots. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a big fan of reboots. I feel like I don't. I don't know. I'm like, leave it. Like we don't need new versions of it. I like new content. The thing for me was though, I grew up watching Full Full House with my uh, oldest brother Travis, and just the fact that like he passed away when I was like younger, and it's like, I kind of get that piece of like new stuff that kind of yeah, like reminds me of those days that makes sense so that's kind of like why i've been so invested in fuller house but it's just so nostalgic to like see these characters come back except for michelle but <laughs> <laughs> gotta run like, that gotta run that fashion empire is that what she's doing I, I think she that joke was like a legit like they legitimately do like clothing and stuff as like their job Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I didn't know, because I haven't watched any of it, so I didn't know like, yeah. how it was set up, but um, the twins are wild. Those those girls are wild. Yeah, it's, I mean, I would have even been happy if they got uh, Elizabeth Olsen to, like, just fill in. Like, it would have been just fine. No, but, she's too busy being a Marvel queen. True, true. De- definitely one of the fan favorites right now. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely ready for WandaVision. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Yeah. That 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 looks like it's going to be a trippy show. I feel like I've been, like, trying to... Recently, I've been trying to, like, watch, like... I don't know. I've been watching weird stuff. Like, I started watching, um, like, Zoe Kravitz. It's this, like, remake of an old old show that I never saw. Like, an old movie I never saw. It's called High Fidelity, and it's, like, Zoe Kravitz, who I love. Um, Lenny Kravitz's daughter, for people who don't know. <laughs> Um, but she like owns like a record store and she's just like really like angsty and like bad at relationships. And I'm like sick, like what a great place to be in. It's like me, but like, I don't own a record store, (laughs) but it's real, like real good, like real musically driven. Um, and like real, real heady and it's high fidelity is great show. Really, really good show. Um, or I finally started watching the Watchmen HBO series and that's shows wild Uh, and feels very similar. I don't know. Not similar. Um, but it, it, I don't know, it feels like a good thing to watch nowadays. Yeah, a lot of my friends have been begging me to, like, read the uh, the actual comic just to, because it's such a, like, classic comic that, like, everyone's, like, universally loves. Yeah, so, I think it's, um, it's, I th- it's at times, I don't know, it's on, I think it's like times, like, 100, like, top 100 list of of novels of like actual novels and it's mm-hmm. the only graphic novel on it oh. because it's just that like historically classic because i don't know i don't because i don't when i think about Watchmen, i don't think about it like it's a comic book for comic book people like it's it's like a, a historical literature that is just so timeless and so good just happens to have superheroes in it yeah because i mean well no i mean i wouldn't say because no, nobody's superheroes it's because it's all written about this a uh, movement of vigilantism um that isn't necessarily well thought of um and it it is really dark and it's really great like gritty and dirty and and really violent and intense and it's and nobody's really super i mean there's there's one character that actually has superpowers like kind of is like a god in the situation but for the most part it's like all not super people it's just Mm -hmm. it it just kind of really is a bunch of vigilantes it's like a bunch of batmans (laughs) with nobody with superpowers which i think is the coolest part about it Okay. Okay. I still I still need to check it out. Like I haven't seen the movie, the show, the 
the graphic novel i haven't done any of it i need to definitely the show kind of takes place way beyond it it takes place like like 30 years i think after the comic but i would definitely say like read the comic don't watch the movie read the comic Mm -hmm. and then watch the hbo show because the hbo show is really really good okay yeah i also have a weird thing where like i'll read a book and then i'll like watch the movie or tv show or whatever with like the media that it became right and i have this bad habit of being like they didn't do that in the book. They didn't do that, or oh, they changed that. Oh yeah, I feel like anybody that that watches something based on like a prior media is like that doesn't feel like the original. Whatever, like yeah, the original content is always going to be like do it the right justice. Yeah, like recently, the closest example I got is a uh, Ready Player One. I finally like listened to the audiobook of it, which was read yeah. by. It was read I've by. Heard the, I've heard the movie. I, I like own the book, and I never read it because I'm really good at buying books that I will never read. Same. I, there's like a word for that. There's a word for people who do that, but whatever that word is, that is me. I love buying books that I'm not going to read, um, but I have that book and I've never read it. But I did see the movie, and everyone that I know that has read it has, has the movie doesn't do the book justice. Which is sad because the uh, author was actually one of the writers on the movie. It's like, I understand there are some things that are just too big in scale to actually do properly for a movie. Right. But it's just, it felt like they were just trying to hit those main beats and just call it a day. Yeah, that's fair. Like, you didn't feel those character moments. And also, the thing that pissed me off the most was for the main character, he was supposed to meet, like, his love interest, like, in person at the very end of the book. They meet just, like, about halfway through the movie. And it's just Yeah, it's just like... You're supposed to have, like, a sweet, like, you earned this moment, but in this it's just like, oh, shit kind of hit the fan, so we're just going to meet up in person. Right. So it it just (laughs) wasn't... Tag up real quick. Yeah, it just, it didn't feel as earned as it was in the book. Right. Because it was like, yeah, I don't want you to meet me in person until this is all, the competition's over. And so once he actually wins the competition at the end of the book, spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert, everyone. (laughs) But after he wins, he, like, finally gets to meet her because they all meet up at the uh, co-creator's place in uh, yeah. in Seattle or whatever, which that was also another weird thing. It's, it's the book and the book's so much better. I, I always say that for every movie adaptation, but the book is always better. Right. I, I think at best the movie could be on par. At best. Yeah, I think one of the only things that I've ever seen that came from a book that I, I liked as an adaptation was Perks of Being a Wallflower, um, which I thought did a great job. That's because, the, the, I mean, yeah, the writer from the book, I think, wrote, like, the screenplay of the movie, mm-hmm. um, did a good job of it. Um, I've yet, I won't watch 13 Reasons Why, because I read that book as a kid, but now I'm, like, very triggered by that sort of thing, so I'm, like, that show can... That was, that was another thing where I was, like... That's another thing I was super pissed. It's like the show overdid it. Like the book was just like he listened to tapes, just binge listened like straight through. Yeah, the book. The book even though even though I at this point having grown up, I I still don't like the plot because I don't I don't like um kind of like I don't I don't really like needless dramatization of suicide because that's a really personal thing to me. But at least the book felt kind of sincere in the way they went about it. But then the, the I've heard the show is just like relentless. Like, it was doing controversial topics for the sake of doing controversial topics. Yeah, and it's like, we don't need teen drama that's trying to push the envelope that hard. Like, it's, I don't know, it's not enjoyable. Like, it, the book was fine because, like, it had those, like, moments of, like, the rape and all that. But it still just felt like, oh, this is a story that I'm just, t- that I'm telling of, like, a genuine experience someone might actually experience. 
the show is just like, oh, this is every possible horrible worst case scenario you can imagine. Yeah, like here's a really grotesque version of each of these very triggering things that you get to experience right here. Like, no, please don't. So it was like the first season was fine because it kind of followed the book, but just like stretched it out a lot and added like a lot of details, which was right. fine. But season two was like, you left the book. What are you going to do now? And they had the whole like quirky thing is stupid. Yeah, I'm like, they're like going like season three. And I'm like, how are there three seasons? There's only one book. Actually, they just released season four, I think. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, no, I'm. That's I haven't touched on that. I'm not gonna. I'm good. I mean, if you're gonna watch the show, just watch season one. Call it a day. Right. That that feels ample. But uh, yeah. Uh, but I feel a lot of the John Green books. Those were done pretty well. Were they? I've I've never read John Green books. Um, which is funny because me and my sister we have our own um like side project band called margie where we like write songs that are like really cinematic with each other um we do at them or whatever but we always like write these really intense like love songs <laughs> and we're like i feel like this would be in a john green movie trailer <laughs> like we i mean we've never seen them but we like know what like the trailers look like and they're like i don't know we write really these really intense songs we're always like these this would be in a john green trailer <laughs> but yeah. i've never read a john green book yeah because like the fault in our stars i think with the exception of like one or two scenes, like it was pretty much note for note the same thing as the book. So isn't that Cara Delevingne in that one? Uh, no, that's I think Paper Towns. Oh yeah, no, she yeah, that's right. She's in Paper Towns. What a fabulously queer, another fabulous queer woman. Yeah. Um. As far as John Green, though, I really love Looking for Alaska, but I still have not yet watched the Hulu version. It's like a TV show. It was like a limited series. I'd have to give that a making mental note to watch because I'm never going to read it. So I'm like, maybe I'll watch that on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, I mean, John Green's really good at like teenage like drama that sounds like something that would actually happen. So, right. I feel like he's like the, I feel like he's like the teenage Nicholas Sparks. Okay. You know what I mean? Like Nicholas Sparks has a lot of the same kind of like he always writes like these really intense romantic dramas, but his mm-hmm. are definitely more like adult. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I feel like John Green makes me think of like it's like Nicholas Sparks for Gen Z. Yeah. Uh, speaking of YouTubers, like, are you into YouTube at all? Uh, no, I I I've never gotten into like watching youtubers i think i mean i'm familiar with a lot of people um but i never really watch like i don't spend my time watching youtubers i don't know why i've never i I, I think i'm bad at it (laughs) i think the only thing that i've really watched recently is i facebook kept making me watch like and you know how like you you like go down the facebook video hole like you Mm -hmm. watch one video and it's like now watch this one now watch this one and you just keep going and like an hour later you go to scroll back up and you're like where have I gone? <laughs> um, but it, it, when I do that, it always shows me um, David Dobrik stuff, and I, and I'm always like, like ew. But like next thing you know, I've watched like seven David Dobrik videos. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't like this dude, except I've just spent my entire afternoon watching David Dobrik on Facebook. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people who spends way too much time on YouTube. Like, I think on average my uh youtube app has like a little thing that like breaks down like per day average kind of thing yeah like what you're watching yeah in like one week i'll probably watch like 15 to 20 hours worth of youtube <laughs> that's a lot of youtube 
I know I have a problem, but it's just, there's like a handful of YouTubers that I watch like every upload, like I'll pretty much watch every episode that comes up. Yeah. And just, in fact, uh, me and Aaron, we're going to do a series over the, over July where it's like a one-on-one series. And for me, one of ones I want to do is YouTube one-on-one where mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ham on talking about like PewDiePie, Shane Dawson, Mr. Beast, every possible YouTuber that I've come across that I enjoy. Right. Uh, yeah, because I'm like, uh, the, literally the only name that you said that I recognize is Shane Dawson. And I think the only reason I recognize Shane Dawson is because he's been such a name for so long. But I'm not a fan. Yeah, he's been a YouTuber since 2008. So Yeah. I feel like since YouTube was a thing. Yeah, he was like one of the first uh, YouTubers to be part of the uh, partnership programs where you get paid to make your YouTube videos. Yeah. It was like him. His content was always just spiking. Yeah, it was like him. Uh, I think Smosh was in that group. Um, Smosh, Smosh is like still a thing because uh, Facebook gets me to watch Smosh stuff too. But I feel like Smosh is just not funny anymore. It's, it's old Smosh versus new Smosh is two totally different things. Yeah, because I'm like, this is Smosh. Like, I feel like I remember these people being very different. Yeah, back in the day, it was just Ian and uh, Anthony, and they were just doing skits. Yeah. Now it's like they have like this whole team. Anthony's gone, done his own thing, which. Check out Anthony's, like, personal channel. He does, like, I spent a day with such and such. And so he'll talk with, like, people who are abused by police, people who are in the gay community, who are at, like, furries. Like, you name it, he's trying to talk to that community. Wow, I love that. He's really delving into some subculture. Yeah, he's just, his, pretty much his stick now is he wants to learn more about and kind of make more awareness of different cultures, whether they're, more mainstream or if they're controversial or whatever. Right. No, which is, I mean, that's awesome. I love the idea of pinpointing so much diversity like that. But, uh, I, I do love, I do love the name of his, uh, merch store. It's padildo.com. Oh my God. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Dot> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, YouTube is pretty great. I spent way too much time there. I, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I spend too much time on my Hulu and in in my bedroom studio. Yeah, it's crazy. I watch. It's like I have Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. I have pretty much every mainstream streaming service. Nobody needs cable anymore. The the sad part is my brother is like so insistent on watching like cable shows, like the CW shows and Doctor Who and all that. Like the day <laughs> of. Yeah, I'm like I haven't had cable. I think since I was. 18 yeah I, like i because i moved i moved when i was 18 from my hometown and i haven't had cable since i'm I literally just haven't had cable in 10 years well to save some money we uh got rid of like the mainstream cable like cox at&t those kind of people we got yeah. rid of that and we have uh youtube tv now whereas nice. so it's it was the biggest perk for us was like it had Very like all end of you yeah, it had all the channels we would want for every kind of show that we watch. Or at the very least, it would have like an on-demand version. Yeah. And you can also record shows as, like infinitely. Like theoretically, if you record every show that comes on all throughout the day, it won't stop you. Like you have nice. unlimited storage for up to nine months. Really cool. So that means if you like say you set it to record Family Guy anytime it airs. If the episode just like gets re-recorded, you get another nine months. 
So it's, nice. It's really cool. That Thank you for listening. Sponsored by YouTube TV. Yes. <laughs> we're totally sp- YouTube TV. Totally sponsored by YouTube, YouTube TV. Um, but, but really, YouTube TV, please sponsor. We, we could release a sponsor. We, we, this podcast has made no money so far. We we're actually in the yeah. negatives. Um, oh my God. Uh, I mean, look, if we're going to be real, uh, I have to pay for the SoundCloud stuff so I can see like all the numbers and all that. So I'll pay that monthly. Most of my recording equipment is fairly new that I bought in the last like six months. So it's time to get sponsorships. The sad part is I'm making more money off my short stories that I write. <laughs> oh my God. That's fair. Cause it's so much easier. It's just like, Oh, Hey, I have short stories They're on Amazon pay three bucks. Right. So it's like, Oh, like five people actually you bought it. You cool. get enough of them and compile them and release an actual anthology of them. That's what I'm doing. Why, 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 why are you spoiling my plans? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. So like, you... <laughs> like I'm legitimately, uh, I'm writing short stories. I'm trying, I'm shooting for one per month. And okay. there's, there's going to be like a bonus three-parter at the end of the year. And it's all like a connected, it's kind of like a loosely connected universe. Okay. Like the first, the first handful. Okay. So the first one is kind of like the catalyst of like the universe, but like the second, third and fourth were kind of like not really connected, but they're kind of like connected. It's like, it's supposed to be a multiverse kind of thing, but I'm kind of like, yeah starting to like nail down on the one universe where everything's very happening. midnight gospel of you yeah and i'm excited because i've released six officially so far and i'm up to thirty-eight thousand words which yeah. is crazy because i don't like like in grade school it's like so hard to write like a thousand word essay and, here and now, I, like, you go to write something you're like oh my god because I, I used to i went through a short story phase but i would just write very like personal ones um off of my life but i would like feel like i would write it and then anytime i go to edit it i'm like wow <laughs> like i need to calm this back actually since we're on a pride month episode my first short story actually had uh, a gay character nice <laughs> like the main character was a lesbian and she like her whole basically her shtick is that she has this power to like dream up new realities like anytime she would dream she would like create the reality she wants and of course, after, you know, the universe, okay, I'm going to, I somehow predicted coronavirus before it was a thing. <laughs> okay, Simpsons. So, because I legit wrote the first short story back in like October, November-ish. Mm-hmm. And the main part was like, oh, hey, she's alone in the world because the government accidentally released this like virus thing that like wiped out everyone except for her. Oh. And so when she creates the universe, it's like how she was able to like reunite with her friend because you like imagine the universe where none of it happened, where she could still be with her friend and so on and so forth. Right. So, nice. yeah. So I predicted Corona about four to five months before it happened. <laughs> well, I'm ready for you to get the hard copy, put it all together. Yeah, that's probably not going to be till December or January because, like I said, I'm trying to do one per month. My schedule's not ahead enough to where I can have everything already kind of pre-done, but I'm shooting yeah. for end of December, early January for the compilation, which is, I'm going to offer a physical version of everything. Because right. right now it's just digital versions because it's short stories, so my longest one's only like 8,500 words. 
Yeah, that's fair. So it's if I get that, it'd be like a pamphlet, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like looking at your cat. I'm like, hi. <laughs> yeah, that's Dean in the background. Um, he just likes to get in my camera shot. Apparently, that's fair. I would. I love that. <laughs> oh, also, I got another one right there. <laughs> I'm like a cat lady, so I love cats. I don't have any anymore. No, I don't have any in my home here in Florida. The I thing, the thing is, I did not actively adopt either of these cats. Oh. So the story yeah. with Sammy right there, the one taking a nap on the bed, uh, he just decided to, he was about six to nine months old, and he decided to go into the back patio at my apartment, would not leave, so I was just like, yeah, screw it. So I ended up just keeping right. him. You're like, this is mine now, I guess. And then for Dean, the orange one that's running around, uh, he was given to me by a friend of mine whose dad passed away, and so she was, like, trying to get rid of his cats. So she was like, hey, you want one? I'm like, eh, sure, I'll get a friend for Sammy. So sure. Now you're a cat mom. Yes, I'm a... I prefer cat dad, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I got two little children who tend to misbehave it's either they took a nap or they're misbehaving there's no in between that's me i relate to those cats <laughs> i'm either taking a nap or i'm fudging some sh- shoot up you're allowed to curse a little bit dude just don't say the hard <laughs> ones <laughs> i like to screw around <laughs> all right well I think we've talked for long enough. I think it's been almost like an hour and a half, give or take. I don't right. know. We've covered like a good gamut of important things. Yes, we talked about every possible thing and maybe talked about pride for maybe half of it, if that. Right. Yeah. You know, enough. But hey, content, <laughs> that's all that matters. Exactly. I feel like that's like the point. I don't know. I feel like that's like always podcast stuff. But cool. This has been super fun. Yeah, it's crazy because, like, we have, like, topics, quote-unquote, but it goes off the rails so much so often. It's like, oh, hey, we talked for an hour, but maybe spent 15 minutes of talking about the actual topic. Right. That's, like, I feel like that's my favorite podcast. I'll do that. Yeah, that's why, I mean, Aaron, like, completely abandoned, like, the structured kind of episode where it's, like, we had, like, a point and, like, if we strayed away, we can have, like, a point to come back to. But, no, do whatever you want. Yeah, that's what we started doing, and it was actually it's really your fun. Best pod life. Yes, we were living our best pod life. We're we're, we're gonna say everything because <laughs> <laughs> it's your show, not anyone else's. Yes, it, I mean honestly, this is my show considering I'm the one who runs it. So <laughs> the only reason Aaron's here is because I'm horrible at talking, so he can keep conversations going. Oh, we've done a good job. I think we've we we. We got to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, it, it worked great. It was good chemistry, good flow. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show. Thank thank you. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, just, you know, check out our Facebook page, Everything Opposite Podcast. We have a website. I haven't really used it much, though. Uh, but uh, check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, Apple, all the usual places. And um, check out my short stories. I got six of them so far. The most, <laughs> the most recent is about uh, some kids at camp, and one of them accidentally, you know, creates the Wendigo. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, 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 some people die. Sounds enticing. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. People are gonna die in this one, so make sure you read it. <laughs> Be prepared. 
content warning. Yes. But in the meantime, we'll uh, check you later. Bye.